Then suddenly, on only a small part of the Earth's surface, the forces of nature are harnessed to do the bidding of the humblest citizen. In process with Lou Barnell on Repeater Radio. Today on In Process 5, we welcome Wando Ibizie, an unclassifiable polymath. British-Nigerian multidisciplinary artist Wando creates Afro-futurist speculative fictions and alternate realities at the intersection of live art, experimental music and multi-sensory installations. Wando, welcome to In Process. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. A quick intro for listeners about In Process, uh, for those who haven't tuned in before, is that we wanted the show to be an exploration of liveness in sound, live art and performance with women, trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming, disabled and non-disabled artists who are working to reimagine the future of their field. The show is a dedication to future and evolving art, performance and music. In Process is also an archive of contributions, offerings and we want to explore what an archive might be in its broadest sense. So I've asked you, Wando, to tell us about a series of inputs or offerings that inspire you and have influenced you and speak about perhaps where you are now and also an archive item for our live archive. Input one, Wando, you have said that a track that you really are inspired by is Govinda Jai Jai by Alice Coltrane. It's a devotional song or a bhakti song um, for the Hindu god Krishna and it was recorded I think in 
give us a bit more of a background on why this song is so important to you. Um, it just makes me feel really joyful. <laughs> I'm, I'm very drawn to artists recently. That, um, most of them tend to be women. Hildegard von Bingen, Daphne Aram, Barbara Hepworth, Alice Coltrane. There are all these women throughout time who've had these really unique, incredible perspectives, visions, um, They've all been inspired by something, you know, much greater than themselves. They use their work to connect in the inner and outer worlds. And each of them have just inspired almost movements following them. Definitely in the case of Alice Coltrane, who, who set up an ashram, which is just incredible. A, a, a black woman in the 70s in America setting up an ashram. And it feels very clear listening to the music and it feels very clear to me, but I can imagine and I'm sure it's true that from many people at the time and since are like, how do you connect this kind of jazz with Indian devotional music? And I mean, this track just perfectly demonstrates how. And it, it doesn't sound um, uncomfortable, the two together. I mean, jazz obviously has devotional roots. Um, and for a musician like her who grew up in the church, you know, it just makes absolute sense that you use it in this devotional way. And I love the the liveness of this piece. It it sounds so live. It sounds so it sounds re real. I guess what I'm connecting to a very real essence is emanated through the music. So Wando, you have just mentioned Hildegard von Bingen. She was a German Benedictine abbess, a writer, composer, philosopher, mystic, visionary and polymath of the high middle ages. You've brought us very generously two quotes that you're going to read for us. Thank you so much. The soul full of wisdom is saturated with the spray of a bubbling fountain. O oh, you who are ever giving life to all life, moving all creatures, root of all things, washing them clean, wiping out their mistakes, healing their wounds, you are our true life, luminous, wonderful, awakening the heart from its ancient sleep. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you. Could you tell us a bit about Hildegard von Bingen and her presence in your work. Yeah, so Hildegard takes up a big area of my life and work. Um, I've been working on a on on this piece since 2017, and it's a, it's a lovely slow work. I'm into the idea of slow creation, um, with lots of different R and D moments and comings together with different artists. It's a very collaborative piece, um, and it. It came from um, the research I was doing at the time, which is which is also still ongoing, into um, my own neurodivergency, um, a neurological syndrome called visual snow syndrome, which I I was just discovering that I experienced at the time, and I'd started to work with neuroscientists who are also studying it. it. It mostly manifests as a mostly a visual perceptual difference. I was wondering about if other artists throughout time had had documented their perceptions and if it would be possible to find out if other artists had documented this particular perceptual difference. And it, it wasn't, and it, and it made me realise, well, you know, culture has a massive part to play in the way you talk about perception. Mostly people assume that we all have the same perceptual world. If you grew up in a time where the, the context of your culture was wholly religious, then you would express your perception in those terms. And that led me to Hildegard, who, yeah, is, is famed for having these these visions from God. 
and writing with um, the, the monk who she wrote with, Fiers Volmar, Sivius, which documents this whole beautiful, sensuous, apocalyptic vision. First, I was I was I was more interested in this idea of of, of her as having this this incredible perceptual world that she lived in. And then as I read more and more about her, I was just stunned that she that she was a visionary and she had visions. I got really interested in, in the book Physica, which is a book of cures, her as a taxonomist, just her life. You know, she's this politician. She had the ear of popes and bishops and toured around Europe. I mean, this is kind of weirdly modern and and then and then really getting into her music was kind of the last thing even though I'd already decided to do this opera operatic piece around her the music didn't really connect with me for a while and it was really this year where it really connected I'd done some recordings just before covid um down at snake maltings I was working with three singers another artist and some sound engineers and I wanted to make a piece that also brought in something of communal bathing rituals so the reason for that was one of the things really struck me about Hildegard's life was her as an anchorite. Yeah, the the ritual that anchorites went through at the time, so so they, they'd be given to the monastery by their families um, as, as children, and they go through this ritual. The idea is that the the anchorite is is dead to the profane world, and you know they're going to start their new lives, this new spiritual lives in the monastery, and. I I loved I loved I loved the ritual. It was just so strong and I mean just kind of incredibly full on to imagine a child going through it and committing to to dying um to their earthly life. Um and and I'm I'm, I'm very interested in communal rituals as as a way to connect in our society. So one part of the ritual is called extreme unction, which is also taken from the Catholic funeral liturgy and it's the anointing of the dying and the sick. You know, it's it's preparation for new life, whether that's new life in the great beyond or new life in, in the profane world. So that I'd just taken that little section to explore. And so the idea of communal bathing rituals came in because in many uh, spiritual cultures, bathing and purification rituals are, are really important. We made a, like a little makeshift hammam in a disabled toilet in snake maltings and we did this whole like two hours washing and we um, recorded the audio as well. And and then um, I recorded the, the singers singing some um, a piece of, of Hildegard's uh, called Favis Distillans, which is based on the, the legend of, of St. Ursula who took 11,000 virgins to the Holy Land, but on the way they were all um, beheaded, they were all executed because they wouldn't marry. But Hildegard's um, song to St Ursula, there's not really mention of of death. Like much of her writing, it's really uh, sensuous. It's got that real Song of Songs vibe. It's all dripping honey and fertile gardens. And the the piece that you'd mentioned that you wanted to play. From the writings Ordover Tuitum, we have O Ignis Spiritus, performed by Catherine Brislavsky and Joseph Rowe.
In the end version of Hildegard Visions, the idea is it's going to be finished in 2023, which will be this great big day-long dive into Hildegard through my perspective. The last section of it will be based on the Order of Virtuism, which is this um, mystery play. It's, yeah, the first time I read that, that was another moment of clicking for me with when I read that, it elucidates in in dramatic form Hildegard's philosophy of the virtues, which I think is a really beautiful philosophy about the soul's journey to the divine um, with, the, with the help of all these virtues. There's this idea of the soul as this gleaming bright light that if only we'd you know, connect with the virtues, it could, you know, it could shine. And it's just um, something so glorious. <laughs> Can I just tell, tell you one of my favourite things about Hildegard? So there's, there's some, of, some of her letters, a series of letters of her talking to um, another abbess and another bishop and there's this exchange between her and this abbess and the abbess is saying thank you so much Hildegard you know obviously I'm not like you I don't get visions from God and but she says um, I've, I've heard that you and your nuns wear white silken gowns and individual crowns for each nun and how is this because you know we're meant to be in poverty and be humble and yeah how does that work and Hildegard writes back and she's really like yeah you know I'm just a I'm just a poor woman and what do I know but I guess what I do know is that I have visions from God and he specifically requested that you know we are pure virgins of Christ and so we should be in this kind of marriage attire we should be wearing these pure white silken gowns and he has like specifically said what crown each of the nuns should wear and I just thought it's just such a it's just amazing the 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 power she had and the license she had but then she used the power and the license to be fabulous it sounds like from from that letter from my reading of that letter and so yeah and it doesn't surprise me reading Reading texts like the Order of Virtuism, it all feels so sensuous and tactile and life flowing. It's lots of it's always water pouring into water and she she felt the the divine world in the profane world. That's so beautiful. I just adore this idea of her going, Yeah, well, you know, one thing I do know is that I get visions from God. And God said that I'm gonna be <laughs> <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> it's so good. For input three. You have given us Women Who Run With The Wolves, Myths and Stories of the Wild Woman Archetype is a book by Clarissa Pinkola Estes and it was published in 1992. Tell us a bit about this. 
Um, so this is just one of my set texts to my life. I just re- I return to it again and again. I've, I sometimes, you know, will just open the book, let it fall on a page and be inspired by it. It's one of those very religious type behaviours that I have. It's a way of reading the world from post-Jungian, it's looking at archetypes, it's looking at myths and fairy tales, and from a feminine perspective. I guess in in the same way that I was talking about with my manifesto, looking at perspectives that have been lost or maligned, I think that's that's another way that this is very useful. It's gone into so much of my work, it's inspired a lot of my life. One of the main ideas I took from it, the life-death life cycle, that life is this series of initiation rights that you're constantly turning over and over on again rather than maybe our our traditional way of thinking in our culture which is you know life is a straight line between birth and death and thought like that's really helped me it's helped me understand the way that I naturally exist in the world which is definitely very cyclical um it's helped me connect more with with my cycles you know, and the, 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 you know, they're constantly turning. There's like little daily ones and monthly ones and ones like the way I work on my projects where, you know, it's over five years. And there's, there's also this other brilliant idea in it, the idea of the constant gardener. So that really connects with the idea of life, death, life, that if you can be a constant gardener, and you can do that in a very practical, magic way by just doing some gardening. Tending to a plant helps you understand life death life cycle and there's also yeah there's also some really beautiful fairy tales that she breaks down into their mythic ritual stages she connects with a lot of myths that have turned into our fairy tales that we might be more aware of now the baba yaga who lives in the forest maybe she's not just an evil old hag you know the crone obviously in in our history you know has been really you know they were burnt and and drowned and so it's not surprising that then the stories became there's an evil woman in the forest where you know obviously the crone was the medicine woman and the wise woman and she was the wild woman so a lot of it's about the wild woman and how afraid we've been of this figure and we were made to be afraid of her because she she held the knowledge also quite often in um, medieval cultures she held the farmland and so the the kind of the wealth the land grab as usual she so she was still wild she wasn't um a, a kind of a nice archetype what she offers is this is this wildness that actually we need the world needs women need um a a fierceness definitely a, a fieriness she offers fire and it might include difficulty but that's that's part of the path so there's something really inspiring in the book there's there's a lot of like power in it yeah one criticism i'd have of it is that there's always something a little bit frustrating about speaking from some kind of supposed universal perspective, but missing out great swathes of the country, you know, and obviously my Africa's quite often missed out because probably she just didn't do the research, she doesn't have the connections. Um, but um, yeah, apart from that, <laughs> it's a really, really, really amazing book. I must admit, I haven't read the book, so I'm going to. Thank you so much for bringing it to my attention. Input four, we've got Distorted Constellations, Volume 2, A Visual Snow Alternate Reality, 2021, something like Empathy. Now, this is a track from your upcoming debut album, The Swan, uh, which is going to be released on Matthew Herbert's Accidental Records in 2022. There is no clarity, but, but there is truth. 
I fall into never-ending, refracting reality. Space full of spaces, landscape littered with landscapes. My world filled to the brim with such noise. A pointillist painting come to life and thrown across the sky. Rich Never ending reality. Never ending reality. Never.
Tell us a bit about this track. This piece of music comes from the research around visual snow syndrome. And um, the wider project is a continuation of an, uh, an earlier piece that I made, um, which is called Distorted Constellations. And it's a multi-sensory installation. Um, and actually that's, that's gonna be um, part of a group show in Melbourne. It's meant to be opening in July this year. I'd always wanted to create an alternate reality version of that installation that would exist purely online. And what happened was it's 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 turned into a series of projects. This song fits inside a, a 360 degree immersive film. So the starting point for the song was, <laughs> I want to describe and explain what visual snow syndrome is. And my way of doing that is is quite poetic. I had a few walks up onto the moors during lockdown and some of them I was just feeling really angry and really frustrated and it was very cold and windy and really like allowing that to blow through me. Yeah, and one of those, it was a really windy night and I was just like one of those birds just kind of like floating on the wind, like leaning onto it. And I thought, yeah, well, I think the idea of the piece is to allow people to step into my perceptual bubble and is that something like empathy? Does that describe what empathy is? So that's the idea. You 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 can put on a VR headset or you can watch on your phone or on the computer and you are a visitor into my perceptual bubble. Can you tell us a bit about the debut album and how that ties together? Because that has a really specific and very wonderful theme to it. Yeah, so <laughs> the idea is that it's a piece of found footage um, found by us containing a selection of artefacts, which are the songs and the artwork and the vinyl album that were put together by an unknown anthropologist who is studying an unknown matrilineal culture who, in in his eyes, seem to be performing all these different rituals and he's, he's um, making his uh, assumptions and, and deductions of why and how they all connect. So it's this kind of circular historical document because some of the things seem to suggest that the society he's researching are in our present or in our future or in our past and it's never really clear which yeah that's that's the idea and I'm also really into like examining like the idea of anthropology and I I guess I find it fruitful as a way of gathering together these fragments and artefacts of my own life and putting them into this idea of a finished work called an album. You know, my my natural instinct is to really resist ever finishing anything or ever summing up anything or ever kind of going, yeah, and this is done now. So I guess there's something I find absurd about that. So I guess it's a an absurdist take on that. Wando, we've got an archive offering here. So this was a co-commission with Supernormal Festival and Radiophrenia for 2020-2021. And it's called Fire Prevention or How to Sing a Labyrinth or The Rebeing and the Burning of the Labyrinth. Get a routine, show your intention. Fire prevention, fire prevention. Get a routine, show your intention. Fire prevention, fire prevention. Get a routine, show your intention. Here we are again at the crossroads. I stand here again at the crossroads. 
Why do I always return to burning? What intention set long ago? Set to simmer, to simmer and to grow. What shadows cast on Plato's cave, burnished on cold clay? Compressed layer by layer until transformed into brittle stone. I have felt a burning at the pit of my stomach, at the predator's presence. I have fallen into ashy dreams, and I have dug my hands into cold embers. I yearned for the purifying holy fire to wash clean the sins of the father visited nightly on the child. I crouched and I cowered under fairy tale covers, my back aching from the pee from its pod never found, always wandered about. In the dreams engulf under watchful eyes, the lion chasing through the swamp, the endless fall through a gaping chasm, the incubus kneeling head over chest, lucid visitations and impossible happenings. Am I processing or am I drowning? Am I burning, or is some righteous creature smoting? I am not a mirage, for the fire burns me. I am real. And so, if you are real, let us go, you and I. The labyrinth waits for us. Tell us about this. The idea for this piece was how to create an audio version of a labyrinth. And labyrinths for me are a ritual process towards self-discovery. Um, in in some cultures, there's this idea of the, the man in the middle of the labyrinth. And so I've been playing with the idea in a few different pieces of giving people an audio journey so that they can they can wander their own labyrinths. Again, particularly in response to the fact that we were all locked down and can't leave our homes. Um, and, and this particular one was really linked to a period in my life where fire kept on coming up. And, you know, it's just such a great archetypal, metaphorical <laughs> idea to be kept on being like, hit by and so making the piece is also me making sense of of that and I guess kind of just just in, enjoying the fact I was living in this strange metaphor <laughs> by by making this this yeah, big sprawling labyrinthine audio journey what are your current projects and future plans Wando so I'm just on my way down to Cornwall um I'm making a piece for the Hepworth Museum in Wakefield um, linked to, they, they've got this big Barbara Hepworth retrospective happening at the moment. And so I'm making um, a sonic labyrinthine response to it. And so as part of that, I'm just going to be going around, connecting with her life. So yeah, so I'm, I'm going to be walking in her footsteps a little bit. So that's going to be really cool. I think I'm going to put out another single from the album, which is actually the, the, the title track, The Swan. My installation's opening as part of 
an exhibition in, in the Science Gallery in Melbourne. I've got a, a premiere at Huddersfield Contemporary Music Festival this year, which will be, yeah, that'll be made for the, the HISS system there. Is it 66 speaker array? So that's 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 going to be great. <laughs> so many amazing things to be excited about. And where can we hear and see about your current projects and your work? So you can go to my website, windowabizu.com. And then the sonic piece at the Hepworth, I think, opens on the 21st of August. And the piece at Huddersfield Contemporary Music Festival is in November. <laughs> so to play us out... We are going to play I Seduce from the same debut solo album we've just spoken about, The Swan. Do you want to say a a few words about I Seduce? It's playing with an archetype of female sexuality. There's different types of sexuality that so there's you know the sexuality that the crone might have and there's the sexuality that the maiden might have and this is more like the maiden sexuality and it's um it's not always safe for women to express and it's been distorted by certain sections of men. I'd been reading lots of Audre Lorde and there's a great essay she wrote about the erotic and that power that's been twisted and taken away from us. And so I wanted to to play through all of that. And so in some ways the song has this quite like rampant energy. It's kind of really like holding up a mirror to to the the, the twistedness of, of that archetype, how it's been taken and, and twisted, but also kind of reveling in the enjoyment of it. Wando, thank you. It's been an absolute joy. I've enjoyed every moment of having you on in process on Repeater Radio today. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. <laughs> Okay.